we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Bonjour tout le monde. Nous sommes présentement en croisière sur le Saguenay de Chicoutimi jusqu'au Cap Trinité. Nous sommes passés par Québec, Île-d'Orléans, Baie-Saint-Paul, La Malbaie. Nous faisons un beau voyage. La température est excellente. À bientôt, René. Mmh, C'est dimanche après-midi Et tout s'arrête dans mon village si tu étais ici, je ferais cesser la rage. In the summer of 1976, friends Jocelyn Baudouin and René Lazard planned a glorious camping excursion. The two would set out from their homes in Montreal to explore the North Shore region of the Saguenay. They set out on foot, July 4th, 1976, packs and sleeping rolls, freedom in the open road, each carrying $250 in American Express traveler's checks. Their means of transportation was the thumb. They would hitchhike. The plan was to head north to Quebec City, then on to Ile d'Orléans. At the mouth of the Saguenay River, at Tadoussac, they would turn inland, following the river into the interior of Quebec. On July 7, 1976, six years to the day that the parents of Margaret Coleman received her last postcard, René Lassard sent postcards to her parents and grandparents. We are presently on a boat along the Saguenay near Chicoutimi. The weather is excellent. See you soon. Their last sighting was on July 10th at a campground at Saint-Félicien along Lac Saint-Jean, where the Saguenay River comes to an end. It would be over a month before the newspapers picked up the story. Montreal Gazette, August 17, 1976. Search continues for campers. 
The Quebec police force is searching for two Montreal women missing since July 10th when they left a campsite in Saint-Félicien, 164 miles northwest of Quebec City. Jocelyn Baudouin is five foot two and weighs 115 pounds, has blue eyes and long dark brown hair. René Lessard, 23, is also five foot two, 115 pounds, has brown eyes, long brown hair, and a scar on her right knee. Anyone with information is asked to contact the QPF at 395-9120 or MUC Police at 872-1313. René and Jocelyn had known each other for about two years and were described as inseparable. René was older and had a degree in education. She lived in an apartment not far from her parents. She had a boyfriend named uh, Yavon Charest. In uh, 1973, Yavon and René won a contest on the Radio Canada television program Sprint. Sprint was a quiz show in which young people had to answer questions about the Olympics. Recall that the summer games were held in Montreal in 1976. And uh, for winning, uh, Yvonne and um, René's prize was an all-expenses paid trip to Greece. Chers amis, bonsoir et bienvenue à Sprint, notre jeu questionnaire hebdomadaire sur l'Olympisme, sur les sports. The neighborhood where uh, René Lessard lived, uh, not far from her parents, is uh, known as uh, Pointe aux Trembles uh, in the East End. It is as far east on the island of Montreal as Pierrefonds is as far west um, when we spoke. Um, last week about Barbara uh, May- Mayers. Um, and, and, and I think when the, um, the Canadian author uh, Hugh McClellan and Clennon talked about two solitudes, the cultural divide before b- b- between French and English in, in Quebec, he really could have been talking about the East End and the West End of, uh, of Montreal. These uh, culturally and linguistically um, these these neighborhoods and probably these lifestyles in, in many ways were probably very, very f- similar, but um, were also very, very um, different from each other. Uh, and uh, Jocelyn, I believe Jocelyn lived in, uh, her parents lived in Laval off the island of Montreal. Um, Jocelyn lived with her brother, Claude. On weekends, she worked at the, the Simpsons department store in downtown Montreal she was saving money for college. Jocelyn had uh, completed studies at the uh, Cégep in uh, Old Montreal and was planning to start a degree in education in the fall of 1976. In late August, the Saguenay paper uh, Progress Dimanche made one of the first accounts of the missing travelers. They reported that Jocelyn and René had exemplary reputations and everyone the paper talked to that knew them was unanimous on this subject. Despite this progress, Dimash 
planted seeds of doubt. The newspaper immediately suggested they could have been runaways, or maybe they uh, wandered into the woods and got eaten by a wild animal. They were hitchhikers, perhaps they met with what they called a bad opportunity. It's from the paper. Are the two girls alive? If yes, why are there no signs of them? If they are dead, what happened? And where are the bodies? Uh, René's boyfriend, uh, Yavan Charret, was having none of this. Uh, they weren't runaways. Uh, the, the idea of runaways, uh, which becomes a theme over and over again on this podcast, in this case, is absolutely absurd. The, 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 the two women were, were living alone. They weren't living with their parents. So running away, running away from what? Um, but nevertheless, um, if the paper is suggesting this, you can be um, damn sure that it's um, the, the kernel, the seed is being planted by the, the police force, which it was. And as I say, Yvan Charest uh, was having none of this. Um, while everyone else in this initial period did nothing, Charest rented a small airplane twice and he began to search the rugged interior of the Saguenay region. He found nothing. On August 29th, it is reported that Jocelyn and René had been spotted in a restaurant at... Uh, Iberville Station, one week after the campground sighting at Saint-Felicien. Jean Fortin, a chef and owner of Chez Lulu, says he saw the two girls in his establishment around July 17th, drinking coffee and writing postcards. He describes the camping equipment that matched the description of the equipment the two girls were carrying. They tell him they are hitchhiking through the region, which is consistent with uh, their story, and they ask where they may find a post office to send the postcards to their parents. The sighting seems credible because it's consistent with their travel plans. You see, with the help of René's boyfriend, Yvan Charest, the girls had meticulously written out their journey. Everything had been mapped to the last detail. From Montreal, they'd travel along the north shore of the St. Lawrence River to Quebec City, cross into the island of Orleans, through Bay St. Paul, La Malle Bay, then Tadoussac, where the Saguenay River meets the Great St. Lawrence River. And from Tadoussac, they would follow uh, the Saguenay inland, visit uh, Port Alfred, Grand Bay, Chicoutimi, Arvida, Jonquière, Kanagami, until they reached Alma. At Alma is, is where the Saguenay River ends and Lac Saint-Jean begins. It's the last point to cross the Saguenay if you want to visit the North Shore of Lac Saint-Jean, which, which they did. Jocelyn and uh, René crossed the Saguenay and um, headed to Parabonca on the northeast side of Lac Saint-Jean. 
And from here, they headed for the very far reaches of the lake, through uh, Mistassini, uh, uh, Dolbeau, to Saint-Felicien, where they were sighted on July 10th at that uh, campground. Now, at uh, Saint-Felicien, once there at the, the very back end of the lake, they rounded back along the southwest edge through uh, Roberval and uh, Val uh, Gelbert. I don't expect any of you to follow any of that if you're having problems um, getting a geographic map in in your head. Don't worry. I, I posted an actual uh, map of uh, Jocelyn and Rene's travels on the website, TeresaLore.com. The, the plan was to end their vacation around July 20th. They would return to Montreal via La Touque, uh, Touc, uh, along an inland route that followed Highway 155. Jocelyn had tickets to attend the Junior Olympics in Montreal in late July, and Renee planned to vacation with her family around July 21st at uh, Ile aux Cordres, uh, a town along the St. Uh, Lawrence south of Tadoussac. Uh, so the sighting at uh, Iberville Station around July 17th is at the right place at the right time. Between the previous last sighting at Saint-Felicien and their intended destination, home to Montreal via La Touque. They'd have four days to get to that final destination, which is a reasonable amount of time. Now, let's pause here slightly to say um, the scariest movie I've ever seen um, it's not it's not like uh, let the right one in or alien or exorcist shining I mean, although i love them all it's nothing by david cronenberg it's the the vanishing and and not the crappy american remake the 1988 original dutch film uh, the vanishing if if you don't know it you can you can watch it for free on YouTube. Uh, it is absolutely bone-chilling, existential nightmare stuff. And this case initially reminded me a lot of The Vanishing. You are a... Mentor. Mentor? No. Oui. Et euh, je, je veux, euh, euh, euh... 14 minutes into this podcast and you'll notice something absent and that's the presence of the Quebec police. Although Jocelyn and René were reported missing in early August, it took the Sarté du Québec until August 31st to broadcast a press release requesting public assistance. On September 5th, 1976, police announced that they will organize a search party to find the two missing women. The affair is under the command of Caporal Yvon Martel of the Chicoutimi Detachment of the Sarté du Québec. 
Martel had traveled to Montreal to get his orders from the SQ's central uh, headquarters. One of the objectives of this trip was to verify the usage of the traveler's checks the two girls had with them. Martel confirms that none of the checks had been used since the girls' departure from Montreal on July 4th. Now Martel was back in the Saguenay with instructions to find the two missing Montrealers. And in September, some additional information comes to light. A motorist says that he gave Jocelyn and René a ride from Saint-Félicien to Mistassini around July 11th. Uh, The date and location is consistent with what is known or thought to have been known, but um, it has them moving in the wrong direction uh, where they were going around uh, Lac Saint-Jean This uh, account has them moving backward from uh, Saint-Felicien back toward uh, Mistassini. Nevertheless, it's a a short trip. Perhaps they had a reason to go back. Maybe um, there was a grocery store or something, um, post office, and they needed to go back. Um, um, Mr. Charles Arthur Tremblay comes forward to say he spotted Jocelyn and René at Debien around July 20th. Uh, Debien being between Saint-Félicien and uh, Iberville Station um, and back in the right consistent direction. And even more information is disclosed about that uh, Iberville Station sighting at Chez Lulu. A waitress, uh, Joanne Girard, states that she also saw the two girls writing postcards at the restaurant around July 20th. Despite now having two witnesses corroborating the sighting at uh, Iberville Station, Capital uh, Martel decides to focus his search around the Saint-Felicien, uh, Mistassini area where just one motorist claimed to have seen them, and at an earlier date and earlier geographic point on their itinerary. Uh, The SQ's Martel enlists the assistance of the public, local radio stations, and a local hand radio club um, to assist in his efforts. We talk so much about victims' advocacy as if it's a new thing. The story would go that um, the foundation was created with the organization AVPAD in Quebec, created by uh, Pierre Boisvenu um, after the murder of his daughter Julie with pioneer work. Um, so the story goes by uh, Marcel Bolduc after the death of his daughter uh, Isabelle. 
um, the father of uh, Julie Seprenin, etc., etc., that we forget that uh, this work was being done long before us. And in uh, this particular case, I would say it was being done in 1976 uh, by two fathers, um, René Lessard and uh, Gérard Baudouin. On September 12th, uh, Progress Dimanche does a profile piece on the families of Jocelyne Baudouin and René Lassard at the Baudouin home. A heartbroken mother and father await the harmful news that their child has departed this world. Jocelyne's bedroom is an empty, a white bed with her dolls resting on pillows. Monsieur Harnay Lassard states that he would like to aid in the search, but he cannot leave his home where he must attend to his ailing wife and 14-year-old son. It's not normal for a father of a disappeared girl to stay at home, but my wife is sick and I have a child to take care of. Maybe René was seen the last time at Mr. Sini or perhaps Perebonka. I hope the police find my girl. It's possible they have both got lost in the forest. I understand the police who, at first, thought they were dealing with a simple matter of a runaway. But we insisted for a long time to authorities to understand that these two girls were not the kind to run away. We are simple people without the means to move the powers that be. One thing is certain. If I was a government minister, the army and all the resources would have been called in to assist in this matter I call on the Deputy Minister, Marcel Léger, to demand in the National Assembly to send the army in the Mistassini sector to assist in the search. In the same edition, Progress Démarche runs a small article where the Sarté du Québec tries to assure the public they are not abandoning the case. At the Sûreté du Québec of Chicoutimi, the detachment responsible for the investigation into the disappearances of the two young girls from Montreal, we affirm that everything was done last weekend to search the area of Mistassini, the place where the two girls were seen for the last time. Under the direction of Caporal Yvon Martel, more than 100 square miles were covered, but nothing was found, no new indication to point the way. All of the woods and valleys were searched, but in vain. For our next searches, the representatives of the SQ cannot specify what kind of work will be undertaken. We want to emphasize that our research has not been abandoned. 
In early October 1976, Quebec police disclose that they now believe Baudouin and Lessard had left Chicoutimi Saguenay by July 12th, putting the sighting by the Saint-Félicien Mistassini motorist in question and rendering their search of that region in early September a pointless effort. Yvonne Martel now states that the traveler's checks the girls had been carrying, the checks Martel traveled to Montreal to verify had not been used since July 4th, had in fact been exchanged in Rivière de Loup on July 12th, a day after the last sighting at the Saint Felicien campground. The Sûreté de Québec go on to state that the sightings in Iberville Station at the restaurant Chez Loulou were most likely false memories. Caporal Yvonne Martel states that if further verification proves correct, the case is no longer his responsibility and all search efforts in the Chicoutimi detachment region will be abandoned. Montreal Gazette, October 6th, 1976. One of two Montreal women missing since July 10th has been found dead in a wooded area at Saint-Jacques-le-Mineur, 20 miles south of Montreal. Police believe Jocelyn Baudouin, 20, of 2208 Saint-Donat Street, was murdered shortly after she was last seen. The badly decomposed body has been sent to the Quebec Medico-Legal Institute, where pathologists will try to establish the cause and time of death. Meanwhile, the Quebec police force is searching the same area for René Lassard, 23, of 966 18th Avenue, Pointe-aux-Trembles, Investigators fear that Lessard was also slain as she was traveling with Baudouin. The Baudouin woman's body was found near the area where Margaret Peggy Coleman, 19-year-old California hitchhiker, was murdered in July of 1970. Her traveling companion, Margaret Jones, then 20, also of California, spent several weeks in hospital recovering from a concussion and other injuries after being pushed from a moving car. Coleman's killer has never been caught. On October 10th, the Sûreté de Québec publishes a second notice reassuring the public they are not abandoning the case. We know that investigators discovered the body of the traveling companion of René Lassard, Jocelyn Baudouin, 
victim of a murder last week. We are lost in speculation at this discovery that places prior suspicion as much at the media as the police. Now, I don't know what that last quote really means, except to say that it's evident the Sarti de Quebec was feeling extremely defensive at this time, uh, and rightly so, and questioning their efforts. I do know that when, when you want a straight answer, you, you go to uh, Allo Police. And here's what the, uh, the tabloid Allo Police reported at that time. They, um, among other things, they report that the woods where Baudouin was found were next to a hunting or gun club. Uh, that there were skeletal remains and uh, Baudouin was fully clothed. Uh, this may lead you to think that she had been there for a while, but I, I wouldn't be too quick to conclude that. Um, uh, Quebec summers can be really, really brutal. Uh, if you think back in July of 1977, Joanne Darion had been left outdoors for less than two weeks, and there was uh, nothing left of her either. Baudouin's purse was recovered in the area, um, containing her uh, vieux Marial student uh, Cégept card. And she was wearing the, the shirt seen in the last photo taken of her with uh, René by some tourists on a ferry crossing to Rivière-de-Loup. This is how police were quickly able to make a positive identification. Um, I've, um, I've seen the crime scene photos. This is uh, um, another one of those cases where I've had this file uh, for five years. And, um, and, you know, much to my disgrace, I, 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 I passed it over and, um, Number one, it was earlier than my sister. It was, it, it was um, she was shot, um, and so I was like, "Well, that's 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 not the mo of my sister's killer." And I quickly fell into um, the prejudice and judgment, frankly, of the victims. I quickly glanced over the the information, and I um, came to a short conclusion. Well, they were hitchhiking; they got what was coming to them. But my um, my opinions on those things have changed. And uh, and I, I guess that and the fact that um, the Sarté du Québec recently posted these two cases renewed my interest and I, I was began to see it with new eyes. And we'll get to the the SQ posting in a bit. But uh, what I should say about uh, Jocelyn, she was shot in the back of the head, right behind the left ear. One shot, professional. Like I'm not a ballistics expert, but I, I know what I can see, and what I see is that looks like execution style. Uh, it didn't take long for police to come up with a theory. More and more, the police believe that Jocelyn Baudouin and most likely her friend, René Lassard, still missing, were 
murdered by bikers. Where LO police speculated this, uh, by January 1977, uh, so almost a, a full cycle, six, six months later, four to six months later, the police were publicly disclosing this in the local newspapers. Um, and this, this, I believe, is from La Presse. The two Montrealers, the answer is with bikers. René Lessard and Jocelyne Baudouin were probably abducted by bikers while in the area of Rivière-de-Loup. In the article, police reveal that bikers were in that area that summer attending an event in the Gaspé region, just east of uh, Rivière-de-Loup. As well, um, witnesses described seeing two young women matching the description of Baudouin and Lessard in the company of these bikers, but could not make a positive identification. The bikers in question were from a club from the La Prairie region where Baudouin's remains were found. What no one could explain was what Baudouin and Lessard were doing in Rivière-de-Loup in the first place, a town not on their planned itinerary and on the, the other side of the St. Lawrence River. Um, the only bridge crossing uh, is two hours south at Quebec City. Um, otherwise, you need to take a ferry across from the north shore to the south shore. And uh, a photo taken by tourists confirmed that uh, Jocelyne and René took that ferry to Rivière-de-Loup, the last photo ever taken of them. But why they uh, deviated from their plan, no one can say. Nevertheless, Quebec police were firm in their belief that the two young girls were in uh, Rivière-de-Loup at that time, and that they used their traveler's checks to stay there in a local motel. The proprietor of uh, the motel, uh, Motel uh, Damour, later stated that they checked in around 5.30 p.m. the evening of July 13th. Police also speculated in the newspapers that it was possible the two girls were brought there to the motel by the ferry against their will by bikers. Now, if this is so, then why did the tourists who took the photograph not call attention to what would have been an unsettling passage? In the photo, Jocelyn and René, they appear to be just average travelers. Nothing seems out of the ordinary. And, uh, so, so why the why with this meticulously planned itinerary do they suddenly decide to to cross the St. Lawrence River and stay in a motel in in Riviere de Loup? It, it's a it's a mystery. And Riviere de Loup is a uh, is an interesting place. It's a it's kind of a crossroads. If you're heading north, it's it's kind of the last stop, and it, it's a very small town. Um, but at Riviere de Loup, you sort of have three choices. Um, you can take the ferry across to the North Shore and do the journey that uh, uh, Lassard and Baudouin intended. Uh, you can 
continue straight on northeast, and that takes you to the Gaspé region, um, where the bikers were intending to go to party. The Gaspé um, is kind of a peninsula. Um, it looks kind of like a lobster claw sticking out into the, the St. Lawrence, where the St. Lawrence opens up and eventually becomes the Atlantic. Um, and then the other choice, of course, is if you head south, you head into New Brunswick. Um, I've, I've had the occasion to spend a lot of time in Riviere de Lou when I was a kid vacationing. And um, also more recently, um, m- my, my parents chose uh, um, to, to spend Christmases there. It just was convenient for them. So I've spent a couple of Christmases in Riviere de Lou very recently. Um, so I know it, and um, the uh, the Motel d'Amour, where uh, Baudouin Lassard stayed, it's still there. I've driven past it a couple of times. It's you know it it it, it is exactly what you envision a motel from the seventies to look like, right? A long strip of rooms like the Bates Motel, right in Psycho. It <laughs> I just thought of that. <laughs> That's what it looks like. Um, no, what can I say? Um, it is what it is. Ten years after the gruesome events of that summer in 1976, Allo Police publishes an anniversary article. Jocelyn's father, Gerard Baudouin, describes the events as a nightmare. I am lost in sad memories. I do not want them to kill others. I want to know, finally, what happened. Did she suffer? I know nothing of these affairs except what I read in the newspapers at that time. If in that time the murderer had been caught, I would have bought a gun on Rue Saint-Laurent and shot him down in plain sight. Now, I just want to know what happened. Not a day goes by that I don't think about it. In the article, ten years later, Allo Police reports that the remains of René Lassard still have not been recovered. In May of 2019, nearly 43 years since the events of that summer, the Sarté de Québec lists the cases of Jocelyne Baudouin and René Lassard on their cold case website of unsolved murders. Now, um, I'm not going to read both 
cases. I'll just read René Lessard's description on the Sorti de Quebec website. This case concerns the disappearance of two young Montreal women, aged 20 and 23, who left for a vacation in Lac Saint-Jean on July 4, 1976. René Lessard was accompanied by her friend, Jocelyn Baudouin. They had planned to hitchhike and sleep in campgrounds. They were last seen alive on July 12, 1976, when they stayed at Motel d'Amour in Rivière-de-Loup. They were reported missing by their respective families on August 2nd, 1976. The body of René Lessard was found by chance by passers-by who had stopped in Parc de la Verandrie for a picnic. Some clothes were found. The bones were scattered over a rather large area, having likely been moved by animals. No jewelry or ID was found. The young woman was not formally identified until June 2018. So, if the remains were not identified until 2018, then when were the remains recovered? Up until a few years ago, people were still discussing the René Lassard case as a missing person on, on message boards. Some speculated that René could have been the female Jane Doe discovered in Sumter County, South Carolina in August 1976. So I contacted the Sarté de Québec and I asked them about this. I also asked them where Parc uh, Verandry is because there's actually a small uh, Verandry park in Montreal along the Lachine Canal. It's uh, unlikely and doubtful Lassard was found here, but I wanted to be sure. Uh, the SQ confirmed that uh, the Verandry Park in question is uh, the Wildlife Preserve 300 kilometers northwest of Montreal, but they ignored my question about when the remains were found. So no matter, I, I eventually found my answer, or, or rather, I thought I found my answer. Um, and this is from a Ottawa region uh, newspaper, La Gatineau, um, from July 29th, 2005. A father and his son made a strange discovery while fishing at the Domain in Parc Verandry on July 22nd. The young boy was playing with some rocks when he found some bones. The father recovered the bones and gave them to investigators from the Sarté de Québec. They will be sent to the Parthenay laboratory to determine if they are human remains. So, these must be René Lessard's remains, right? How many sets of remains could possibly be recovered in a remote region such as uh, Parc Verandry? As it turns out, two. And this is the point in the story that... Um, you know, I was going to run with um, the 2005 um, discovery as being Lessard's remains. Um, and had I produced this episode last week as I intended, I, I, would have, I would have published that story. And as it turns out, 
I would have gotten the story wrong. As it turns out, as with most things, the truth is a little more subtle and it's far more interesting. Quite frankly, something was nagging at me. Something was just scratching at me saying there's something not right about this and I wanted to be sure sure that the the 2005 remains were in fact uh, Lassard so I contacted the Quebec coroner's office and I wasn't expecting to get anything um, they're a little more rigid than dealing with Banque, Um but they got back to me and as it turns out René Lassard was actually recovered in the spring of 1977 it took 41 years for police to make a positive identification. Now, before you jump to a sense of outrage, as I initially did, consider the facts. It turns out, and and, and this is like one of the few times that I can remember giving Quebec police a compliment, but as it turns out, this was in fact a remarkable and tenacious piece of police investigation and forensics work. The uh, coroner's investigative report, which is dated a little over a month ago, April 12th, 2019, 42 years after the date of recovery, reveals the following. First, that on April 29th, 1977, agents from the Certe de Quebec discovered human remains close to Chamin du Lac Bert in Parc La Verandrie. Quote, in the absence of specific information, end quote, the presumed date of death is noted as August 25th, 1976. An autopsy was performed on May 3rd, 1977 at the Laboratory of the Forensic Sciences and Medicine in Montreal. Only skeletal portions and pieces of clothing were available and the autopsy could not determine the most likely cause of death. The remains were discarded two years later in March of 1979, but bone samples were preserved. In 2010, a DNA search on the clothes and bone pieces was done, but the quantity and quality of the DNA from the samples analyzed was insufficient to obtain a, gen- a genetic profile. Six years later, in 2016, additional analysis is performed on the slivered bone pieces and a valid DNA profile was obtained. In 2018, a DNA comparison of family members was able to establish a link between Ms. Lessard's family members and the DNA of the bones found. And by deduction, it was concluded that the bones were those of René Lessard. Je me suis mise à chanter, je sentais que t'étais là à m'écouter. 
Ishte sertem kti tisi Yer apremizi Kan shte perli unu duzer Pite perciin stair Mot sta podkar Jemre sot voar ujordi Tse kesh mani Tse kesh mani So, who murdered these two young girls? First, consider the geography. That's a vast amount of Quebec territory covered, from their departure from Montreal to Tadoussac into the Lac Saint-Jean region, back to Rivière-de-Loup, down to La Prairie, where Baudouin is found, north to Parc Verandry, where Lassard is found. I I think the biker um, scenario is the best explanation. And I think the Sartre de Quebec knows this to this day and are hoping that someone will finally break and come forward and provide information. And uh, consider some facts. Baudouin is shot professionally behind the left ear. Bikers kill like this. Baudouin is found fully clothed. This is not a um, a sexual murder in 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 terms of sexual deviance. Um, uh, she's dumped like trash. Uh, bikers do this um, for the entirety of their trip. They stay at campgrounds. Then suddenly, they show up at this motel, Motel uh, Damour, in Riviere de Lou. Now, I've as I say, I've visited there. You know, it's not unlike the Paisan Motel in Lennoxville, where Hell's Angels stayed the night before they were massacred at the bunker in 1985. Bikers stay at these kind of motels. They did then, and they still do to this day. Witnesses said they saw the two girls matching the descriptions of Baudouin Lassard with bikers in the vicinity of Rivière de Loup in July 76. Um, also, there's there was a biker chapter in the vicinity of La Prairie, where Baudouin was found. Most likely, um, uh, I'm not a biker expert, but I would think this was a chapter in that era of the Popeyes, who controlled the Montreal and Sorel regions and were eventually patched over into the Hells Angels by December 1977, before the Angels, um, you, you had, um, as I say, you had essentially a, like four or five groups. You, you had the Popeyes in the Montreal region. You had the Black Spiders in the Montmagny uh, region. The Pacific Rebels uh, uh, controlled Quebec City. They later became the Rock Machine. Um, and the um, the Gitans and Atoms, I believe, were the Sherbrooke biker gangs. Um, I don't think because Jocelyn Baudouin was found in the same area where Margaret Coleman was found in 1970 means that bikers murdered Margaret Coleman. Rather, I think this is most likely a clever trick played by the murderers who I think were extremely intelligent um, 
by the murderers of Jocelyn Baudouin trying to make police believe that she was killed by the same person who killed Coleman in 1970. Um, there's, there's, there's one other piece of information. It may be nothing, but it's worth mentioning. In August of 1976, in those uh, series of articles in Progress Dimanche, um, uh, the, um, another witness came forward claiming to have seen um, René Lessard. And only René Lessard. Um, police most likely discounted the information because at the time it did not fit the theory they were pursuing that uh, Lessard and Baudouin were in the vicinity of Saint-Felicien and Mistassini. But uh, a Madame L- uh, Léger Turcotte, she is a server at uh, Brasserie du Sportif, claimed to have seen just René Lassard at her establishment in St. Jerome, Quebec. Now, St. Jerome is far from Saint-Félicien and Rivière-de-Loup and La Prairie. It is between where Bedouin was found in La Prairie and where Lassard's remains were found uh, at Parc Verlandry. It's about 60 kilometers north of Montreal. So it's on the way to Parc Verandry. I think it's it's the only highway. It's on the only highway that would, would get you to that wildlife preserve. So what happened? I I don't know, but here are some areas where I can speculate. I believe that Baudouin was killed first. And shortly after being brought to the motel in Riviere de Loup in July 76, I think Lessard was kept alive longer, possibly much longer than the police's speculation of August 25th, 76, which they note is in the absence of precise information. So that's as uh, good as a guess. Um Unlike uh, Jocelyn, who was shot in the head, there's no definitive cause of death for uh, René. We know that she, like Jocelyn, was found with clothing, but the remains were recovered much later, nine months later. Jocelyn's remains were skeletal. René's would have decomposed to a much greater degree. I mean, what happened? Uh, I don't like to speculate too much, uh, but... You know, you all have imaginations or you wouldn't be here. I would say um, young girls plus bikers plus a prolonged absence equals not a pleasant outcome. Um, If uh, they were kept alive till the end of August, um, that's still a very long time, six or seven weeks, and it could have been longer. Um, I'm not going to go further than that. I, I'm sure your imaginations can do the rest. Um, as for the as for the sightings, the, uh, the what the police characterized as false memories, uh, I believe those are genuine. I believe that they were in uh, Iberville Station. Uh, 
I believe that the motorists did see them. Um, I just think they got the dates wrong. I think um, I think it, it happened earlier. You know, with false memories, you can easily six weeks later imagine something happened one week when it actually happened a weekend earlier. The second set of remains, the remains found in Parc Verandry in 2005. So who is that? Uh, we don't know. I've, I've made an inquiry to the Sarté de Québec, but they most likely won't answer my question. In uh, the Allo police file on Jocelyn Baudouin that I have in my possession, there's, there's, there's obviously a photo of uh, Jocelyn's remains. There's a second photo of remains taken from that era in the late 70s. For a long time, I thought it was it was Jocelyn. It was just another photo of the remains. But when, then, when I looked closely, it's it's not a photo of Jocelyn because the shoes are different. It's most likely a photo of Rene um, uh, that was probably taken in that spring of seventy seven, placed in the file, um, but not uh, identified definitively because there there wouldn't be a positive identification until June 2018 it's strange the the photos are they're almost identical bodies laid out on dead leaves and underbrush you can see the remnants of clothing the bleached bones shoes in both photos almost perfectly intact two friends laid out 300 kilometers from each other with no one to shelter them earthbound while everything spins so many grains Slipping from hand to hand Catching the light And falling into dark The world fades out Like an overheard remark Don't you know that from the first to the 
last we're all one in the gift of grace This has been part three of The Confines of Memory. Um, And if you missed part one and two, go back and listen to them, because they are all thematically linked here on Who Killed Teresa? One of the things I I find really interesting is the the differences in the reporting between the, the French and English press you know you, you know nowadays reporters like in the english gazette it, it like alison haynes it, it, paul cherry they understand french um uh, reporters for la presse like patrick lagacy and uh, nicholas burbe are fluent in both languages but 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 back then it really wasn't quite the case um and you would get a different flavor depending on on who you're reading for instance um like if we go back to the uh, the Coleman Jones cases, um, the the French papers, you, you know, they're the ones who give the angle that there could have been a tie-in with the terrorist group, the FLQ. You don't get that in the English language papers. Uh, last week in the Barbara um, Myers uh, case, uh, you know, for some reason the 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 uh, English papers, the English media refused to name the restaurant where they were last seen, the McDonald's restaurant. They just called it a restaurant. It's the French press where you where you get that it was a McDonald's. McDonald's, uh, of course, for anyone who lived there, it could only have been McDonald's. There was no other restaurant um, on that corner. Um, and even um, the, the covering of the trial of... Um, a, um, John Christopher uh, Leclerc, the the Montreal or English coverage is much more matter of fact and a, objective. The the French coverage gives a real like a point of view of the other victim. It's really her story on the stand, telling uh, what happened to her that time. And then in in this story, um, the whole biker angle. If you only read the the historical English accounts of this, you never would know that the police were thinking that, um, you know, antecedents of the Hells Angels were responsible for these murders. That is only exclusively covered in the French press. Um, I don't know if that's because the the English press found it speculative. I would suspect it has more to do with... um, Cops back in that era were were Quebecois, were French, and they were probably um, more disclosed to uh, providing that in, uh, uh, information to who they viewed as a a, a friendly voice. Hence, um, la presse, um, uh, process de marche, um, allo police, etc. So let's talk about the photo. Uh, I've had a chance to sleep on it and 
I, I don't like to do this, but something came up overnight. I ended up thinking about it all night, and uh, I need to uh, I need to do an addendum. Um, the photo. So the photo I'm talking about is of um, uh, Jocelyn and Rene on that ferry, um, because um, it, it was brought to my attention that it is odd, and it is odd. Um, it's odd for a number of reasons. Um, notwithstanding, if they if if the police knew they had a photo of Jocelyn and uh, René on a ferry to Rivière-de-Loup in the first place, then why didn't they just begin searching there? Um, and, and the answer to that is um, subtle and complex. It's not, not that easy, and I'll, 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 walk, you, I'll walk you through it. Um, we first learn of, um, let's start at the beginning, of René and, La, uh, René and Jocelyn's disappearance on August 8th, in that uh, Saguenay paper, Progress uh, de Marche. And the photo doesn't appear until August 22nd, again in Progress de Marche. But we're only told in the paper at that time that it's the last photo of them. Um, the police don't get involved until August 31st, so a week later, when they send a press release asking for the public's assistance. Um, and, and if you look at the photo, you can see that it's, uh, it's truncated, the, the middle section, right, has been cut out to bring the two subjects closer together. But clearly that is Rene's hand extending into the frame of uh, Jocelyn's picture. And they seem to be on a boat. You can see the guardrails and what appears to be water in the background. So let, let's first clear up the timing of when the photo was taken. The, um, the October 5th, 1986 LO Police article States and it's the first time. It states that the photo of Jocelyn and Rene on the ferry is um, them on the ferry from uh, San Simeon to Riviere de Lou. So that's the anniversary article, the later article in in eighty six. And this is most certainly wrong. As I say, if the authorities n- knew them to be in the Riviere de Lou area um, when the photo was taken. Uh, and first published in August 22nd, there would have been no need for the 100-square-mile search of the Saint-Felicien, uh, Mistassini area in uh, earlier the, the, the earlier month of September. Um, uh, in, in, the, in the first Allo police article from the era of the event, the paper identifies the photo correctly, as being taken at the ferry crossing at Tadoussac. Um, and this, as I say, this, I think, is the correct identification. The Tadoussac crossing would have taken place earlier in their journey, sometime between July 4th and July 10th. Um, and and we, there, we therefore need to say that uh, Allo police, unfortunately, just got it wrong Um and there was uh, probably no suspicion the girls crossed the St. Lawrence in the company of bikers as Allo police reported that they thought the police were investigating. Now, I say all that with the full knowledge that I just earlier had given uh, Allo police full cred for being um, re- reputable in, in, in the respect that they always had um, the police is back and, and knew firsthand uh, police information. Yeah, I know. Right. Here I am. I'm going completely back on my word. But nevertheless, 
you know, there it is. Um, but that still leaves questions about this photo, uh, which, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't state directly on the podcast. Uh, I, I, I sometimes like to leave things open-ended so that I'm not the smartest guy in the room and that, um, that other people will have like a, an aha moment. Um, for instance, um, who takes a photo like this at random, right? It's not a posed photo. They're not looking at the camera, smiling. Renee and uh, Jocelyn, they, they may not have been completely aware that this photo was even being taken. And who takes a photo like, uh, like this of two complete uh, strangers? Um, if this stranger indeed was, um, was, was even a stranger to them, it, it might have somebody they befriended. Uh, on the journey, it may have been somebody that they knew from Montreal that they uh, coincidentally uh, ran into. It's the sort of question you, you wish the boyfriend, Yvonne Charest, would weigh in on because um, you know that the police will never tell you. Uh, and m- maybe someone can contact uh, Progress Demarche and uh, see if they know anything. Th- that kind of pushy work, I might as well say, I'm not. I'm not particularly uh, well-equipped at doing that. I'm more well-suited. I mean, I always, to, to sort of the research and doing a first wave of um, investigation, I always fully intended other people to, to kind of take what I do and, and run with it. I'm not the kind of guy who's going to get into uh, people's faces uh uh, you know, decades later and confront them with this kind of stuff. I, I'm not intrusive like that. And, you know, by way of an example, where, where that has worked really, really well was in the case of um, Diane Deary and Mario Corbet, that 1975 double murder. I sort of just presented uh, the historical information that had been taken and then some of you may not know this, um, uh, Radio Canada Television took that ball and they ran with it. Um, and now they're preparing in July to do, I think, a five-part series on um, uh, Corbet and, and Deary, um, where they go, you know, full court press, uh, interviews with the family and people and, and that I'm I'm really glad they're doing that. That's but that's, you know, that's not me. I I prefer like a a soft approach, um, sort of uh, um, suggesting things, and it, and it has paid off. Just so you know, so you know, um, over some of the podcasts, for instance, the the brother of Ursula Scholz approached me, and we've communicated. Um, the um, uh, the case of, uh, excuse me, uh, Francine uh, da Silva, her brother approached me and we exchanged information. And I, and I prefer it that way rather than me confronting them that somehow, you know, they catch wind of things and, and approach me. Um, it hasn't happened in the case of um, Margaret Peggy Coleman, which I, I half hoped it would that if not her, at least the family of Margaret Jones would come forward and um, want to further discuss or pursue some things. So th- that unfortunately uh, has not happened yet, but the, that podcast was only 
14 days ago. Okay, I'm not going to go over 10 minutes here, I promise. Um, having said all that, I, it, it still leaves the question, um, why did uh, Jocelyne and René uh, deviate from their path when they were supposed to at the at the base of the Lac Saint-Jean, uh, travel down towards La Tuc. And they, they were, they, by those sightings at, at the Iberville station, they were kind of at that apex point where that would have been the next, um, that would have been the next uh, journey. But instead, they go back all the way uh, towards the St. Lawrence, cross the St. Lawrence, and wind up at the uh, uh, Motel d'Amour in Riviere de Lou. Um, there's there's a, quite a bit of visual content for this episode. So if you go to theresalore.com, T-H-E-R-E-S-A-A-L-L-O-R-E.com, you can view that. It's quite rich, and I think you'll enjoy it. So check it out. You can follow us on uh, on Twitter. I am at Teresa Lore at T-H-E-R-E-S-A-A-L-L-O-R-E. There is a Facebook page. Um, it's just Who Killed Teresa, the podcast. I, I, I tweet and send all kinds of, you know, extra stuff. Um, so if you, if you follow or like you and you want to be completely immersed in this uh you can do that uh i i want to acknowledge well um first i want to say i want to thank my niece my brother's uh daughter she read the postcard in the intro today uh I want to thank her for for doing that and acknowledge the assistance. I don't think I can name who. I don't want to out them, but the assistance um, of some friends uh, at uh, Radio Canada, who um, were kind enough to pounce uh, ideas off each other, be a sounding board for this episode, and uh, they provided the uh, the excerpt, the the audio of uh, the the program from that era. Uh, um, Sprint, the Radio uh, Canada program um, for which um, Yvonne uh, Charest and uh, René won the contest uh, that led them to the trip to Greece. I will post uh, actually uh, not only the audio but the the visual component of that um, clip on the website for people who really want to take a deep, deep dive. Um, music today is... Uh, uh, with the exceptions of uh, Bruce Coburn um, um, and a bit of um, the Clash, uh, uh, Crooked Beat uh, kind of seems out of place. Why Crooked Beat? It just seemed um, it needed some undercurrent to <laughs> naming all those towns and taking you on a journey around Lac Saint-Jean. Um, and also there's an in-joke in there, I'll just tell you. Crooked Beat um, from uh, the brilliant album uh, Santanista is the song that comes before somebody got murdered. So har har, that's my little thing there. But uh, the majority of the music is by the um, the uh, French language group uh, Cano, 
Uh, and I, I, I would like to mention a little bit, uh, for those who don't know, uh, Cano. Cano was a band, um, their album, uh, We're All in the Same Boat, um, came out in 1976. It's their debut album. They were not from Quebec. Cano was actually from Sudbury, Ontario, and a, a really interesting band. Uh, you know, at its core, it was um, uh, a brother and sister, Andre and uh, Rachel uh, Pema, um, with at various times seven to, I don't know, seven to nine, ten band members. But they were part of a cooperative, Cano. Um, uh, they stand for Cooperative des Artistes de Nouvelle Ontario. And uh, they were a band, uh, you know, obviously popular in Quebec, um, but also had their, their hands in um, visual art. Um, uh, I know that uh, André um, was a playwright. So this really cool arts collective. Unfortunately, uh, André Paymont died young in 78 or 79 he had terminal cancer and he took his life. Um, and Rachel Paymont gave up music. Um, she recorded, she does the backing vocals on uh, uh, Bruce Coburn's album Humans. On I, I think she's on What About the Bond and a couple other songs. But she gave up music shortly after that and, and married Jim Valance. Um, moved to Vancouver, many people know Jim Valance for his work with uh, Brian Adams, Aerosmith. But um, all of the Cano songs from today are taken from their debut album, Tu dans la même bateau, all in the same boat. Um, and it's just, uh, I like promoting uh, French artists, Quebecois artists, where, when I can. Um, and wanted very much for part one, because uh, uh, Coleman was American to have a very 70s American feel. Wanted part two because uh, Barbara Mayers was uh, uh, from the West Island and very English to have a very um, English Montreal band presence, hence April Wine. And th this one, uh, uh, a band, a sound very, very French uh, because René um, and Jocelyn, as I say, were just from it. From a different world on the island of Montreal in that in that era, so that's um, that's my musical soapbox for today. Um, that's all I have. I've gone over an hour, um, so I should be uh, I should be getting out while the getting's good. Um, this has been Who Killed Teresa. I'm your host John Allure, and have yourselves a great great day. Viens Il y a À manger Pour tous Yeah.
raconter une histoire Comme une nuit d'été Et la lune douce Comme une chandelle silhouette 
ma porte d'entrée. Oui, viens nous voir. Oh, tata, il y a tellement longtemps qu'on s'est pas vu. Des choses à dire, des éclats de rire, les yeux pleins de sourires. Oui, viens nous voir, oh tata, il y a tellement longtemps qu'on s'est pas vu. Des choses à dire. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. 
Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. 